I would like to say to begin with, I appreciate uh, Town Creek allowing me to share the gospel with you today. Um, you know, you're born into this world with a purpose, and I was blessed with, uh, with a God that, for whatever reason, chose to allow me to preach the gospel. Uh, there's no sweeter word in the world in the world than that of the Lord Jesus Christ. I also want to thank Brother Clint for allowing me to um, share his pulpit or share the pulpit with you. Uh, I've known Brother Clint for, for years now. I have no idea how many. But I've always admired and appreciate him for, uh, for being a pastor of strong convictions. Uh, that's not as common today as you might think it is. I know a lot of preachers, and many of them have been so willing to, to compromise in order for unity or peace or for whatever reason, um, but Brother Clint never has been one to compromise. When he believes in his heart that God has given him something, then he stands with it, and I've always appreciated that in, in him, and I've tried to have that in my life and in my ministry that uh, I may not be the best preacher on the block, but if I'm preaching what God has told me to preach, then he is satisfied. And if he is happy, then I certainly am happy as well. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of John, uh, chapter 1. We'll look at verse number 12 in just a moment. Uh, I want to share a couple of things with you. From 1983 to 1986, there was a series on television called The A-Team. Some of you may remember that. Some of you may be too young to remember that, but you probably have seen some of it in reruns. It was sort of corny. You don't realize how corny until after you've got a few years on you and you look back at it and you think, well, that's got to be ridiculous. But we used to laugh and we were entertained. They were on the air for about three years and um, they had some real characters uh, that you learn to relate with. Everybody knows uh, Mr. T., and they knew some of the things and phrases he'd come up with. But the leader of this little group was a man uh, named Colonel John Hannibal. Now, Hannibal Smith, but he was um, no relation to Clint, I'm sure. But he's, um, he had a saying. Most of you probably remember it. If you don't, I'll remind you of it. Uh, Hannibal would say at the end of it, he would say, I love it when a good plan comes together. Well, the truth of the matter is, his plans didn't always work out the way he planned them to. There was always mistakes and shortcuts and things would go along. But in the end, he was always glad that at least the plan came together. Well, I don't want to talk about entertainment world. I don't want to talk about Hannibal and his plan. I want to share with you this morning, very briefly, about a plan that's life, that's a matter of life and death. And it's God's plan and there are no shortcuts, as is already shared with you in music, in testimony. There's only one way to glory. One individual offers salvation to you this morning. His name is Jesus Christ. Now, he has an intermediary. He has someone that comes and speaks to you, and yet it is he himself, and that's the Holy Spirit. No one is saved without the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. That's the way God made it. That's in his plan. And if we follow God's plan, we'll realize that how right God really is. Knew long before we ever came along what he wanted to do with the creation of man. Once sin came onto the picture and separated that fellowship, 
God was determined to restore it. And God made a plan in order for that to happen with his only son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Well, it's the perfect plan of God that I want to talk to you about for just a few moments. If you have your Bible, look with me in the book of John, chapter 1, verse number 12. And John writes these words. But as many as received him, to them gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believeth on his name. Our Heavenly Father, the message belongs to you. Lord, I only repeat the words that you have shared. So, Lord, I pray that you will take it. And that, Lord, that someone in this room today might be drawn closer to your bosom. Some Christian, Lord, might uh, become stronger and more committed. Lord, that that individual that uh, has went back out into the world, Lord, might be brought home. And, Lord, for that one that's lost without a Savior, Lord, may today be the day they receive the Lord Jesus Christ, their personal Savior. It's not a religious thing. It's not made for religion, Lord. It's made for relationship, a personal relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the real Alpha and Omega. Take this message, Lord, and use it for your glory. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. A perfect plan of God is made available, and there's several truths about this plan that I want to share with you very quickly. The first one is the way is made. The path has been cleared. There's, there's an opportunity for you this morning to have direct communication with the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to go through the preacher. You don't have to go through the music program. You don't, as a matter of fact, if you want to talk to Jesus today, the Bible says in the Old Testament that his ear is already inclined in your direction. He knows what you need. He knows your heart. He knows your burden and sorrows, and he also knows your praise. And God says, I'm listening this morning if you're prepared to have communi communication or communion with me. And God desires that. He created us from the very beginning for the purpose of fellowship. Adam and Eve gave in to the temptation of Satan, and they broke that fellowship. But God was determined that he would restore that relationship with the wonderful creation. So the first thing that he shows us is the way of this salvation is made possible. And he says in the very first part of that verse, but as many as receive him. Now, verse number 12 is a direct response to verse number 11. Because right off the bat, if, there, if it wasn't for verse 11, you would think, well, surely nobody would reject the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody would, would disobey his call. No one would go on in the opposite direction. Doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't make sense if you know him personally. It doesn't make sense if you've lived for him in your life. No, it really, really doesn't make sense to that one that's not on that pathway. Now, salvation is a progressive word. It's not a one-time event and it's over. It's not a matter of coming to the altar and saying, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Would you come into my heart and make me whole? That's just the beginning. That's the start. Paul says we're to work out our salvation. It means that that salvation that was given to you at the moment of your repentance is a continued growing process. Work out, Paul says, your salvation. Not the salvation yourself, but to extend it, multiply it, grow it, live in it, and be about it. 
as many as received me. Well, in verse number 11, it says, he came into his own, and what did they do? The scripture tells us they received him not. Now, that's hard for me to understand, but then again, they're human. I'm human. I might have done the same thing. But the Bible says Jesus came into his own. Long before this, God had declared that the people of Israel would be his chosen people. And he gave them a promised covenant that one day that he would send the Messiah and restore the people of Israel. Well, Jesus did come. And he lived on this earth for 30 years. And then he made himself known to the Jewish people. And you would think, you know what? They've waited for six, 700 years. Surely they're prepared and they could recognize him when he came. The truth of the matter is, I believe that the Pharisees really did recognize Jesus. I believe that they really did know that he was the Messiah. But they didn't want it to relinquish their power. Sound familiar? We have problems in our world today. The people that even lead us sometimes in our nation and sometimes even in our churches refuse to relinquish that power, that hold that they have over people. But for whatever reason, the Jewish people decided that they would not receive this Messiah. They would wait for another. Well, that wasn't in God's plan, was it? God didn't say, oh, I'll send a second Messiah. He will say, I will send the hope, the Lamb of God, the Messiah. His name, Emmanuel, God with us. John was told, or or they were told even before they were born, that, that John the Baptist would be named John and that Jesus would be named Jesus. God wrote it all out. He made the plan not only sufficient, but understandable. And he made it simple so that children could come and know him. He prepared salvation and made it possible. He came looking for us. You see, in order to receive something, somehow, some way, someone needs to give that something to you. Or that blessing or whatever that comes your way. Does God bless you on a daily basis? Does God bless your heart on a regular uh, program? Does, do you receive his blessings every day? I know if you're here today and you have, are you a grandparent, I know good and well you see those blessings, and boy, do you enjoy them. Much more fun than the children, because you can spoil those grandchildren and not suffer the consequences. Jesus says they came and they received him not. It was already planned that he would come. It was already foreordained by God himself that I will send you Messiah, but you must receive him. So if there's a received here, it must also mean that there's an opposite to it. It doesn't say you will receive him. It doesn't say I'm going to require that you receive him. I'm going to make you receive him. No, it says as Jesus came, they received him not. So they had a choice, didn't they? They chose to reject him. I like the way Ezekiel says it. I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken, and strengthen the sick. But the fat and strong I will destroy. I will feed them with judgment. You know, you could take in your Bible on that verse of Scripture in Ezekiel 34, 16, and you could write right behind it, America. A nation that once respected the name of God. We put it on our courtroom walls. We put it in our schoolhouses. The town square, it was no problem. It wasn't difficult at all to know who God was because everything pointed toward Jehovah. 
Everything pointed toward Jesus Christ. But for some reason, we're scattered. Well, Ezekiel says that God will, re- will gather us back together. He will heal our sick, and he will make us strong. And regardless of what you hear from coming from Washington, if America is going to become strong again, then America will have to return to God. We'll have to put him back in our, in our public, in our, in our meeting places, in our homes, in, in our malls, in our activities, in our friends. And we've got to bring back God back into our lives. He's got to be something more than just a casual name that we drop. Jesus went out of his way. He went by the way of Calvary. You see, God's plan is real, and it works. But God's plan is a matter of life or death. You can receive him and have life. You can refuse him or reject him and have judgment or death. But not only do we find in this verse of Scripture the way that the plan of salvation and the proof is there, but as many as received him, but he also said, to them he gave power. To him he gave power. How many of you feel like you have power this morning? But if you know the Lord Jesus Christ and your power, if it's real, then it comes from God. Man's not near as strong as he thinks he is. There's a little man that sits over in Russia today that's trying to destroy a nation, trying to take over people. He believes that he has all the power in the world. I got news for him. Unless he changes his ways and knows and receives God, then his power is short-lived. Just like the ones that we have in our country. They think they want to take, tear down all the churches. They want, to, they want to stamp out the name of Jesus Christ. And I never thought I'd live long enough to see that. I never thought that I'd be in a part of a world where I had to be concerned about my grandchild going to school and being harmed. Times are changing. And a lot of it I don't particularly like, and I know you don't as well. But the Bible says that we have power over this evil. You see, the devil can't defeat you. You can surrender to the devil, but he can't defeat you. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, what promise did he give you? Greater is what? Greater is he. Greater is he, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Greater is he that lives where? In this building? No, if we empty out everybody in this building, there's no proof or evidence. But whenever the saints gather together, God says, I'll be there with you. I'll be in the middle. So I know he's here. And if he is here, his power is here. And his power lives within you and it lives within me. That's a part of salvation. You see, I said, it's not a stagnant word. It's not a one-time experience. It's an everyday growing. You say, sweeter and sweeter Days go by. Sweeter and sweeter is the relationship with your Savior if you spend time with him on a regular basis to give them power. The power of God is found in his indwelling spirit. Do you know that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning? Do you know that you have received him as your Savior? Then the Bible says he lives within you. But he not only tells you he lives within you, he says that he'll never forsake you. Regardless of what the world brings tomorrow, if Jesus Christ tarries long enough or he gives these, these people that seem to be think they're running things, if they continue, they can't destroy you. 
The Bible says we are a member of the body of Christ. We are the church. And the gates of hell won't even destroy us. We are an unusual, unique people. The Bible says to come out from among the world, be separate. It doesn't say leave the world. It means that we're not to, we're not to compromise with the world, but rather the church, the body, we're to stand with it. And the Bible says if we do that, then we will have the power and we will have the victory. At every very at very moment that you ask Jesus Christ to receive you and become a Christian, then God's Holy Spirit moves within you, and it's, qual- it's called the indwelling Spirit of God. There's also an infilling of the Spirit, isn't it? And you can have a lot of infillings. It means that you grow closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. You give him more of your life. You give him more of your talents, more of your gifts, more of your time, your energy, and yes, even your treasures. And the more you give those things, the more acquainted you become with that relationship and it grows stronger and stronger and you realize the power is truly in the blood. That presence gives you the power over sin. Matter of fact, not only do you conquer sin, but you conquer death. For the believer, a funeral service is nothing more than a see you later experience. Because you know that at the, at the twinkling of that hour that, that, that you leave this world, you're in the presence of holiness. I love that song we sang a while ago, Holy, Holy, Holy. Baptist, a little concerned, a little, sometimes a little nervous about that word holy, aren't we? It's hard to live up to such a standard. God wrote that standard very high. Holy is he. And if holy, if he's holy, then we are to be a holy people. Not only the way is planned out by God, the way is powerful, but the way is also positive. Look at the third part of that verse. But as many as received him, to them gave he power, and then it says to become sons of God. To become sons of God. You know how precious that is. God gave you a home. But not only gave you a home, he gave you a name. He made you a part of who he is. You know, when the Antioch church first established in the New Testament, whenever the Antioch began to grow, the people became so close to the Lord. They walked around with a smile on their face and a song in their heart. And the word holy to them was very special because it meant they were a separated people. And the Bible says that we would be a separated people. But God says, when you receive me as your Savior, I'm going to give you my name. And when the Antioch church began to worship God, the outside world named them Christians. Have you heard any discredit or demeanor or have you heard any criticism of Christian lately? If if you haven't, it's probably because you hadn't watched the news and that's not a bad idea either. But the world don't like the word Christian. Christian means someone that is at a different level. Don't mean that we go around thinking we're better than people, but we walk around knowing that we're victorious. We've already been given the victory, and regardless of what they do, they can't change that. That the group that sang with you this morning, Jesus is returning, and I believe sooner, much sooner than I ever imagined. There's a possibility that the majority of us in this room today could go to heaven through the rapture. Boy, wouldn't that be nice? You see, we not only have the power, 
But now we have the name. The Bible says in Romans 8, 17, it says, And if we are his children, we have been placed in his will. We've already been promised an inheritance. What's your inheritance? What's the one? There's, there's a number of things, but there's one thing that always stands out, isn't there? What are your, what's your inheritance? It's eternal life. You're looking at someone that's never going to die. I hope you have that same statement and can stand and testify to that today. Oh, you're going to leave this body, but I don't know about you. I talked to some folks this morning. This old body begins to hurt a little bit more than it used to. It's going to wear out eventually. But my life, my real life begins at that moment. And when I see Jesus, and after he comes and collects his church, we're going to have glorified bodies. Some of us has never been pretty before. We're going to be pretty. Because we're going to look like Jesus. We're going to resemble Jesus. And we ought to do that today. When people see you, they ought not have to ask you if you're a Christian. It ought to be obvious. Because you carry his name. You sign his signature. You have received his inheritance. Jesus lived a perfect life while on, on this earth. That I can't even begin to imagine how in the world you live a perfect life on this earth. The devil's constantly throwing things at you to tempt you and to discourage you, to defeat you. I don't know how he did it, but Jesus lived a perfect life. And the Bible says the Father's going to read more on him because the Father's going to allow Jesus to sit upon that throne. He'll be a judge to many. But thank the Lord, he is a savior to many. Is your savior this morning? If not, then possibly one day he could be your judge. You don't want that. You don't even want to think about that. What you can do today is secure eternal life. The way is positive. We're no longer orphans, but we have a name. We are in the family because we're Christ-like. The brothers and sisters that have gone before us, those early Christians at Antioch, man, they set a standard for us. They paved the way. They made it possible that we might live in that victory. In closing, it says not only is the way positive, the way is powerful, the way is planned, but it says the way is prepared. Look at the closing statement on that verse of Scripture. But as many as received him and to them gave this power became sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Even to them that believe on his name. He goes before us. He opens the doors for us to walk through. You know, God's got some doors for you this morning. I don't care what walk of life you're in. I don't care whether you're the mechanic or a machinist or nurse or a doctor or a lawyer. God opens doors for you. The problem is sometimes we're so blinded by circumstance around us, we're walking through the wrong doors. But God's got those special doors because he has the plan, the plan that works. And God has special doors prepared for you. It's a powerful privilege to lead your children to Christ. You can do a lot of things. You can send them to the finest universities. 
You can give them money. You can give them the fanciest cars to drive. You can give them anything this world has to offer. But if you don't carry them to Calvary, if you don't carry them to Jesus, if you don't give them the opportunity to know him as their personal Savior, then you have shortchanged your children. And you need to think about that. The very way is prepared by the blood of the Lamb. Verse number 32 in closing is a powerful verse. Listen to what he says. And John bear record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. The Spirit. This dove has been symbolic of the Holy Spirit throughout the Scriptures. John was baptizing in the Jordan River, and John had been walking with Jesus before Jesus even made the scene, before he arrived and began his ministry. And John had been faithful, but John knew his place, and he knew the doors that God would open for him. And he walked that plan and that path, and he preached salvation, and his message was very simple. John preached over and over and over and over again, repent and be saved, repent and be saved, repent and be saved. Well, he preached to the rich and the poor. He offended the rich. They asked for his head. So they threw John in prison. And some of the disciples came to John or John sent some of the disciples and said, I want you to go to Jesus and I want you to ask him, is he the one? Is he the one, the promised Messiah? Is he the one? Now John knew he was about to die, but he wanted to be able to pass that torch onto the right one. Jesus told him, and this is probably one of my favorite verses of Scripture, You remember what Jesus told the disciples? You go tell John that I come so the poor may hear the gospel. That blows me away. For you see, if man had anything to do with it, man's plan would have been, well, we'll put him in a fine temple somewhere and we'll allow the rich to come and worship him and to lay at his feet. But no, Jesus came in a manger, didn't he? It was open to anyone that wanted to see. And then he reaffirms that when Jesus says, I've come that the poor may hear the gospel. I've come so those that don't have anything can come to me. I have come so that I might offer salvation to every lost soul. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who? Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the Savior that we serve. That's the King that we worship. His plan leads us to salvation of our souls and the peace that passes all understanding. I don't know how it's humanly possible to find peace in this world that we're living in today without living for the Lord Jesus Christ, without laying it all at His feet, without depending upon Him for everything that I need. 
I thank the Lord that every day my children leave the house, my wife goes to the mall that I can go, and I can pray, Lord, bring them home safely and believe and trust in my heart that God's going to do it. Say, well, he don't always. Well, no, he doesn't because we live in a world of circumstance. We live in a world where evil roams the world. Like a roaring lion, the Bible says, seeking to devour that which he can. But he cannot take my soul. He couldn't take Job's either, remember? Keep your hands off Job, Satan. Job suffered, but he never denied the Lord that loved him the most. Now he's reaping the rewards. How much do you love Jesus this morning? How much do you care about Jesus this morning? Because I can assure you, he cares for you. And people, you need the Lord. I don't care who you are, how rich you are, how powerful you are, where you've been, who you know. People need the Lord. I'm going to ask Brother Mike to come. He's going to stand up here. Uh, You probably feel a lot more comfortable talking to him than you do me. So he'll be here. If you don't know without a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die in the next 10 minutes, that you'd experience eternity in heaven with Jesus, I wouldn't let my feet hit the ground before I got up here. I wouldn't walk down the aisle. I'd run down the aisle. I'd want to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus. He's the only one that can give you life and give you life in abundance. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this wonderful church, these wonderful people. There's decisions that need to be made. Lord, give them courage to make those decisions. In your name I pray.